We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest in sports betting from KC Sports Network, featuring Benny and the Bets, hosted by local media personality and betting aficionado, Benny Heisler. Let's get to the show. What's up, people? It's Benny and the Bets coming to you on the NFL Draft and no better guest to bring in than my old stack-in-the-box pal. Really, I shouldn't call it my stack-in-the-box pal. I basically commandeered his longtime show uh, with Mark Carmen and then Sterling Holmes, and he was kind enough to just kind of let me hang around like a, a leech. My guy Matt Verderam of Sports Illustrated is talking a little bit of draft with us today. What's up, Verderam? What's going on? No, listen, I was, uh, I was glad you could come on the show because uh, Sterling and I, if we had to give out gambling advice, we'd owe people a lot of money. So... Um, He'd always bring you on and, and break down the line. Last year, we actually, well, I sh- again, I shouldn't say we. You actually had a really good record. Like, actually, if, if people follow those bets, bet for bet, they, they did okay. We had a solid show. We had a solid little run over the course of the week. And and I think every week, Sterling basically said, you know, Ben, I, I, I shouldn't go against you, but I'm going to go against you. <laughs> and then every week, he's like, I can't believe I went against you. That was stupid, but I'm going to do it again this week. And uh, yeah, we, we got to, to talk a little shit. Man's going to be out front of his house selling lawn furniture, trying to trying to you know get back to square. No, not yet, not yet. Hopefully, he's he's still doing uh, just fine. I do want to talk draft with you because there are a few interesting pieces of movement for anybody that uh, missed our conversation last week uh, with Connor Allen. Please uh, go ahead. I encourage you guys to check that out. Connor, one of the most uh, locked in guys as far as betting the draft goes. Uh, Verderam with his work over at Sports Illustrated. And by the way, uh, if you missed it, daily cover over at SI.com. Please go check that out. Uh, Verderam wrote a great piece going back 40 years ago today from the 1983 draft. Uh, That was a historical draft considering that there were six quarterbacks taken in the first round. Really quickly, uh, before we dive into this year's draft, is it pretty crazy to look back 40 years ago and think of how everything has drastically changed since then. Yeah, and I, you know, I think the piece, my angle on it was a historical angle of like, look, this is what happened. If you're not familiar with it, but then also like, this is how it changed the NFL, and it, not only on on the field, but also how the draft was viewed. That was the first time the draft was really a spectacle. Uh, but it's it's look, six quarterbacks taken. It's the only time that's ever happened in the first round of a draft. Um, that draft which at the time was 12 rounds. 
only draft in NFL history that was longer than the seven or eight round format that started in 94 that had a pro bowler drafted in all 12 rounds. Every single round had a draft, uh, a, a pro bowler taken. Um, but I think that the main takeaway from that that piece, and I talked to Tony Dungy, I talked to Lee Steinberg, who repped two of the quarterbacks, I talked to uh, Howard Balzer, who was nice enough to speak with me, who was on the uh, on the set for ESPN as one of the analysts at the time. Um, a few other people I spoke to as well. And I think really the, the main takeaway was that draft showed the rest of the league that if you don't have a quarterback and an upper echelon one, you're not going to win. You know, after that draft, starting in 1984 for the next 10 years in the AFC, nine of the years were represented by one of those quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. I mean, that you just weren't going to get through the AFC if you didn't have one of those guys. And it's funny, all six of them were drafted by AFC teams. So um, there was a lot of fun to put together. And I do think that draft laid the groundwork for the passing games that we see today where teams finally looked at it and went, all right, look, running backs are great. Coaches are great. All that's great. We better have a quarterback. And I, I don't think it's coincidence that in the 40 years since, the passing game has incrementally become more and more important. Now, 40 years ago today, you can read that piece over at SI.com. It's the daily cover from our guy, Matt Verderam. Uh, really quickly, before we start diving into the draft, if you are checking out this show uh, on our Chiefs channel, first of all, welcome. This is Benny in the Bets. Uh, we talk sports betting from a, a little bit of a, an outside perspective, uh, make it a little bit more fun. If you haven't bet on sports yet in the Kansas City area or anywhere else you're at, uh, this is a good introduction into it. We're not going to make it uh, super inside baseball or football, or whatever you want to call it. Um, we want the show to be uniquely available to you. We like questions. We like interaction. Um, so this is the type of show that is really for everybody who's interested in sports betting, but also have it from an actual local perspective. That's why we have guys like Matt Verderam on the show uh, to be able to provide with a little bit of interesting, unique perspective that can contain some Kansas City news and nuggets into it. So appreciate you guys being on with us. If you haven't subscribed to the show, you can do it in the brand new uh, KCSN app, which is fantastic. Links both to our YouTube page as well as to our audio podcast. Also, if you're going to be in Kansas City for the draft, we have you covered. We are going to have live coverage Thursday night uh, at Pizza Bar in Power and Light. They're going to stick around in Power and Light as well Friday and Saturday over at No Other Pub. And then we'll just celebrate an awesome weekend here in Kansas City over at the Holiday Distillery in Weston on Sunday. That's going to be from 12 to far to 4 open to everybody. Make sure you guys come out and hang out with us as well. So yesterday, Verderam, we're, we're taping this uh, on a Wednesday, um, but yesterday was was bizarre, right? Because at one point, C.J. Stroud was actually the odds-on favorite to be the number one overall pick for Carolina. Yes. Then there were reports about the S2 score being really bad, yep. that he skipped the Manning camp. Uh, you know, the joke about, you know, from draft day that uh, nobody showed up at Bo Callahan's birthday party. Whatever bad news seemed to go out into the Twitter sphere seemed to happen for C.J. Stroud. And you start to see Bryce Young creep way back up to the odds on overwhelming favorite. And then yesterday, there was some guy on Reddit who said, Will Levis is going number one. He's already been told by the Carolina Panthers that he's going to be the guy that brought Young's number to a reasonable point, still a favorite. The Levis was as low as three to one, four to one odds, depending on the book that you bring it up. Now we're starting to see Levis drop again and Stroud come back up. So before I give you my theory on this, where are we going with this number one pick? It, 
it feels like it's young and everything else uh, feels a bit more smokescreen. I have a theory on why it may not be young, but, but tell me your perspective here. Is there any secrets that we are yet to see for this number one overall pick? It's going to be Brescia. I would be floored based on everything you hear around the league if it's not Brescia. If it's not, then the Panthers are pulling the all-time wool over everybody's eyes. I mean, I look, I think in the end, there are real questions about Brescia. I mean, his size, that's a, that's a real thing. I don't care that people want to try to, like, some, some people out there are like, oh, it doesn't matter. It matters. It matters. He's very diminutive. You are at a greater risk for injury. It is harder to play quarterback when you're 5'10 than it is when you're 6'5. That is just, that is reality. That said, his tape is better than any other quarterback's tape that is coming out for this draft. He was awesome at Alabama. Won a Heisman, was in the running for another. Um, I don't think there's any reason to really doubt him as a player other than, again, worry about maybe the size. I think as a person off the off the field, you don't hear anything bad about him there. Uh, my colleague Connor Ward did a cover story on him uh, recently for Sports Illustrated, which came out, I think, like a, a couple of days ago. I got it in the mail. Um, brilliantly done. And it kind of showed, like, look, he has an incredible sports system off the field. That always helps. I would be stunned if Bryce Young is not the number one pick. I think this draft starts at two with Houston. And from talking to people, you know, there, there's a real thought that they're going to just bypass the quarterback. Now, I still believe in the end, if you're the owner, if you're McNair, you just, you cannot walk out of this draft without a quarterback. And you're going to have, what, half-empty stadiums all year long again? Because if you watched the game games in Houston last season, that place was a ghost town. I don't think if you're an owner, you want to see that again. And the way to make sure that that doesn't happen is finding your quarterback. So I think they still go QB. But a lot of people think that Tyree Wilson, Will Anderson, absolutely in play. Tyree Wilson right now, if you're looking at the odds of DraftKings, to go number two to Houston is plus 130. Will Anderson, plus 275. And you have Levis now all the way up to plus 150 with C.J. Stroud at plus 380. If you're Houston, and I'll get to Houston in a minute because I, I do want to follow up with something that you said. It All the sense in the world for Bryce Young as that number one guy. I, However, if you want to take the pizza money that you would be spending at Pizza Bar to come and hang out with the guys Thursday night and put a little bit off to the side at you know, anywhere between plus 800 for C.J. Stroud to go number one and plus 2,500. There's a major discrepancy there, and we talked about how DraftKings is actually one of the few places that is moving up that line on Stroud. Right. I do believe that they like Stroud. He he does fit the profile of the type of quarterback that Frank Reich would love to work with, right? Size, mobility, accuracy. I, I think you can make an argument that from an accuracy perspective... He's right up there. Yeah. Nice young. Like the, the 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 talent and the tape is there, but Young obviously has the a little bit more of the winning credentials. And I, I guess to me, I'm not completely ruling out the possibility based off of the value on the board that if at one point CJ Stroud was going to be that guy as the undisputed favorite, and other smoke gets thrown out. I can't help but wonder, especially if there is some more late move in his direction, right. that maybe it's worth it, and then maybe Bryce Young goes to number two. Maybe you can find a pick or you know, where you're choosing one-two 
to get some value where you just have Bryce Young number two, and then it's some combination between Will Levis one, Bryce Young two, CJ Stroud one, Bryce Young two, and and maybe that's an even bigger play that you can consider. Again, we're talking pizza money here, but I do think there might be something to follow with some of this line movement. I I hear you, and I, you know what? It's a, it's reasonable. Look, I think I think the draft is the most fascinating event there is all year in this regard. The games are the games. Now, don't get me wrong; they're my favorite part of the team. Right, but but. Like you, you understand. Like if the Chiefs are playing the Raiders, you can break down the game based on what you know, what you've seen, you know, so on and so forth. Free agency, like there's not a whole lot of lying in free agency. I mean, it's it's like, look, we're giving this guy four years and sixty eight million bucks and thirty five million guaranteed, and and there are surprises in free agency, but there's not a like, there's not a whole lot of espionage in free agency. The draft is a sideshow. Like you you have teams telling dopes like me, hey. We're going to, you know, we love this guy. And the only reason they're doing it is because they hope that I'm dumb enough to go out and report it. And then somebody else with a burner account sees that. And they're telling somebody in another building, hey, you know what? Seattle loves so-and-so. We got to get ahead of Seattle. Meanwhile, Seattle hates that guy. They don't want to draft him because whatever. They don't like his his 40 time or they didn't have a good interview with him. That's why I think sometimes with this stuff, we got to be honest with ourselves and say, we don't know anything about anything when it comes to draft. We just don't. I don't care who you are. Now, I do think Br- Bryce Young is the one known, in my opinion, in this draft. He's going one barring something shocking. But I, I think when you look at the rest of this class, at two, Houston could take Stroud. Houston could take Levis. He could take one of those edge rushers. The Cardinals could trade back. They could take an edge rusher. And then let, we all know it. You're going to have somebody go early in this draft. You go, what? I mean, it's just going to happen. It's all hundred. But what if what if the Raiders at seven take like Hendon Hooker? I mean, you like, beyond brand, wouldn't it? Right. That's the point. Like, you don't know they're not going to do that. I mean, would I bet money on it? No. Would I be absolutely floored if the Raiders took Hendon Hooker? No. Like it. That's the point. That's the point of this whole thing. You just you don't know what's going to happen. So it makes it so much fun, and it it also makes it one of the more intriguing nights of television in sports. All right, so let's talk Houston. Let's talk Arizona before we start going into some of the other teams that are, are very quarterback needy. Yep. Will Anderson right now, for one point, was considered to be like almost a lock to go in the top three. Yeah. He's starting to slip, and I'm not entirely sure why. Right now, if you look at his odds to go within the first three picks, over under three, three and a half, plus 135. And then anything after that is minus 175. And again, we're for consistency sake, we're using the odds over DraftKings. I look at Anderson and trying to say to myself, if Arizona doesn't trade that pick, I, I don't know how you I don't know how they skip him there unless they feel like maybe somebody like Witherspoon, um, who's seen his number move up to six and a yep. half, might be the guy. And 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 I love Witherspoon's tape, and I I saw uh, Brian Baldinger's breakdown of him online and that's excellent. Okay, like Brian does a really good job of, of getting you really hyped up on a player. Like it's just I don't know if it's the voice, I don't know if it's the the accent that he has, but I could see that as a possible scenario. But it, to me, I, I I think you're looking at Houston if they don't go quarterback, it's probably Tyree Will. Or it's probably Tyree, uh, and then I think you're looking at Anderson to Arizona. Like those picks make sense. What would I be missing if those two guys didn't go there? 
I think when you look at the top of this draft, the big question is, like, we already outlined this, Houston, what are they going to do? Yeah. And then the Cardinals, are they going to trade out? If the Cardinals don't trade out, trade out, and Will Anderson sitting there, and they don't take Will Anderson, they should be institutionalized. I mean, I love how, and you're, like, to your point, exactly what you just said, like, I don't know why he's falling. Nobody does. Like, what? There's no reason. He's had no off-field issues. He has had unbelievable production in the toughest conference in America, year, multiple years, not just like a one-year wonder. And yet you get people who are like, you know what? Don't know if he's worth that top three pick now. Why? He's been a top three pick since August. Right. Like what? What is? What are we doing here? Nothing has changed. I honestly think if the draft was two months earlier, we'd have a lot more common sense applied to it. P- people start to talk themselves into just insanity as right. time goes on, right? Like I think people. It's almost like if you spend too much time. Working, you know, and God knows I'm not an artist by any means, but if you're, you're like a drawing or something like that, and you just you, you're constantly dabbing at it, dabbing, at it, you almost end up ruining it because you just do so much to it. Walk away, you know. Like some of these gems, I feel like they're just in like a panic room at this point, and they've been locked in there and they've been getting food on a tray for three months. And it, by the time the draft comes, I'm like, listen, I know Will Anderson looks incredible. Let's take Christian Gonzalez instead and roll the dice. Like it's. It's just weird how often that happens. But I, I still think in the end, the talent, Will Anderson, I believe, if the Cardinals are there at three and they don't trade out for a team looking for a quarterback, I still think he goes. However, I think there's a very good chance the Cardinals trade out of that pick. All right, so let's go to Indianapolis for a second at four. Sure. If, in our scenario, Young goes number one yep. and you have the two edge rushers going two and three, who do you anticipate at the quarterback position? You know where you know they're going quarterback. They have to. Yes. Do they go Stroud? Do they go Levis? Or do they go for the full upside play with somebody like Anthony Richardson? What's your perspective there? If that scenario presents itself, everything you hear out of Indianapolis is that they love Will Levis. That all said, I just don't know how you pass on CJ Stroud that's at that spot. I don't know how you do it. But it's the Colts. So God only knows. Like, it's a situation where, is it also, is it Ballard's room or is it Ursay's room? Who's making the pick? You know? I mean, that's a variable in that building that you never know what's going to happen. That could be Jim, you know, Jim Ursay could say, all right, Chris, make the pick, whoever you want. Or Jim Ursay could come in and go, you know what? I watched tape on YouTube last night. I want this guy. And I'm the owner of the team, and that's who we're taking. So, you hear everything out of there that they love Levis. I always try to apply common sense and say, I just think in the end, they'd have a really hard time passing up C.J. Stroud, fourth overall, right down the road from him in Columbus. I just think he makes too much sense to take a guy in Levis who has the build, who has the arm, but frankly is really raw when you watch these games. The guy that I think makes a ton of sense in Seattle would be Richardson. And yes, they've just locked up Geno to a long-term... It's a long-term extension, but it's, it's not year really a long-term extension. It's gets him basically guaranteed for the next, what, two, three years? Oh, it, it, honestly, it's year to year. That contract is... They could get rid of him after this year if they want to. What would stop them from recognizing that... To, he's in a perfect position to learn. Like if you're talking about a guy who is so raw 
that you learn from somebody like Gino, learn from a consistent coaching staff, I, I, I think it adds up. I just don't know if Seattle will look at themselves and say, we have Gino, we don't need to force the issue here. But I think it would make a ton of sense, if, especially if you're buying in on upside. Yeah, so, by the way, on, on Gino's contract, so if they were to cut him next year, they save $14 million. Um, they eat 17 They save 14 Now, if they, if they trade him or cut him post-June 1, next year they save 22 and a half. No, 8.7. So, he's year to year. Um, I, I love the Richardson idea. I and and he's an interesting guy in the sense that look he's he's got that athleticism that Russell Wilson had at the beginning of his career, but even more so, frankly, um, you know there's a reason Richardson might be a top five pick and Russell Wilson went in the third round. I mean Richardson's just a better overall athlete. And that doesn't mean he's going to be a better quarterback. He's a better athlete. The word around the league is a Jalen Carter that that's the spot that Seattle at five is going to take Jalen Carter. Now keep in mind. Seattle has two first-round draft picks. So Seattle could take a quarterback with their second pick, too. And there are some people who think that Richardson or Levis are going to fall in this draft, that it, one of these guys is going to get in the 20s. Now, I tend to, to bet more on that if, if Levis doesn't go to the Colts, I could see him being the one who falls. I, I just could see that happening. I agree. But Richardson did not throw 900 passes between high school and college. I mean, I, you're talking about a guy whose his ceiling is, is immense. But his floor is down there. Like, if it doesn't work out, he's the kind of guy to be out of the league in three years. I mean, because you just, you're basing so much of your, of your ideals about him and your projections on him on what he can be and not what he is. So I would take Richardson before I took Levis. That's just me. I think they're both projects, and I think Richardson's got much higher upside. And I think Seattle could go at five, sure, maybe. But also drafts in, the, I believe it's the teens, uh, maybe early 20s, uh, the order right in front of me. And they could go that route, too, where if a guy falls to them, they go, all right, great, we'll sit him and develop him for a year or two. We're okay with that. We can talk Raiders. I, I don't think there's a lot of intrigue there. I, I think they should be looking quarterback. But obviously with the McDaniels and Garoppolo connection, my guess is that they won't force the issue. If they're the guy they really like, they'll go for it. Atlanta's interesting because they did take Ritter last year, but there's a lot of consensus around the league that he's not a long-term answer, even where they decided to draft him. Right. I look at what they could do. Right now, quarterback is plus 550. If any of those guys fall to Atlanta, whether it be Levis, whether it be Richardson, I, I think that is an intriguing option. But there's also some consideration for somebody like Bijan Robinson at that point. Do you look at Bijan as somebody that is worthy of a top 10 pick? I, I think he's top 10 on most teams' board purely based on talent, but yeah. it's about positional versatility. It's about whether or not you value running backs that high in the draft. Do you look at Bijan in that same type of Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, where you can line him up in the slide, you can move him around, he can catch passes, he can be a bit of a do-everything a do type of three-down back? Uh, or would this be a, a reach from Atlanta where the positional need is there? So I view Atlanta like they had a rookie running back last year in, in Tyler Algier, who was really good. Like the Falcons don't have bigger needs than a running back. You know what I mean? Like I, the Falcons to me, my God, if a quarterback, I think quarterback in a heartbeat if I'm Atlanta. I'm sorry. No, I would too. I mean, Taylor Heineke is a good backup and Desmond Ritter is a guy at this point. There is 
no reason. Um, you cannot tell me. It's like if the Titans pass on the quarterback because they have Malik Willis. Sorry. Like, I'm taking the quarterback there. I would not take B. John Robinson in the first 15 picks. And that's not because I don't think he's really talented. He's immensely talented. And I'm not even one of these people who say, oh, running backs don't matter. They do matter, but they don't matter enough that I'm taking one in the top 15. Like, Miles Sanders and Isaiah Pacheco were excellent running backs last year who reached the Super Bowl. Neither guy was a high pick. Pacheco went in the seventh round. Um, I'm sorry. You know, the Chiefs literally replaced their first-round running back with a seventh-round running back and got better. And that's not uncommon in the NFL. Something like that happens all the time at that position. And I think if you're drafted that high, your needs are a hell of a lot bigger than a running back. You know, I just... Now, the Eagles are interesting because Eagles are drafting up there for reasons that have nothing to do with their record. So if you're the Eagles, would you take a running back? Everything I know about Howie Roseman, how he operates, just no. They're going to draft in the trenches. That's what they do. That's who they are. They're going to continue to replenish up front. You know, they lost a couple guys in free agency, mainly Javon Hargrave. Uh, But no, I I would not take a running back that early. Now, he gets down toward the late teens. Then you'll look at, like, do the Chargers trade up a couple spots and try to replace Eckler? Do the Bengals make a big move and say, you know what, we're going to cut Joe Mixon, we're going to bring in Bijan, and now that offense is scoring 30 a game and it's sleep? Maybe, but I would not take him in the top, you know, dozen picks for sure, and maybe even top 15, 16 picks. All right, you brought up Jalen Carter. We're going to get to him in just a second. I also want to get Verderam's perspective on what the Chiefs might do uh, with their first-round pick, which offensive lineman uh, he has graded above the rest as far as which of those guys might be off the board. Plenty more with our guy Matt Verderam from Sports Illustrated. Take a quick break. You are listening or watching, maybe doing a little bit of both. Benny and the Bets right here on KCSN. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Kansas City, the NFL draft is here. It is draft week in Kansas City, and what a time it is for our city. Just winning a Super Bowl thanks to Andy Reid and company, and now hosting the NFL Draft, it's an incredible time to be in Kansas City and to be a Kansas City sports fan. And regardless of who you root for, there's only one selection that every football fan can share, and that's an ice-cold Miller Lite. Look, the players change, the coaches change, the rules change, but Miller Lite is still the perfect beer for draft time, game time, and everything in between. When I want a beer with some flavor, you know I go to the cooler and I reach for a Miller Lite. It's light on calories, not light on taste. It's the perfect beer for watching football, watching soccer, watching any Kansas City sports, and hanging out with the boys. It's my go-to. So kickoff comes around again. Enjoy the beer that tastes like the season, Miller Lite. Great taste, 96 calories. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com KCSN, or you can pick up some Miller Lite pretty much anywhere they sell beer. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, welcome back. Verderam, I want to talk to you about Jalen Carter because it's been a very remarkable turn of events for him. Going back to his pro day where he was looking all out of sorts and probably absolute stinkers of a pro day that we've seen in quite some time. There's still the understanding of what type of talent he can be. Like, there's still comps to, like, Aaron Donald if he has his hat on right and he's in shape. The question is whether or not, if you're a team, you even have him on your draft board at this point. Because there are plenty of teams that are basically saying, we, we don't want him. We, we have major concerns. Teams that I look at that I think would make a lot of sense, you mentioned Seattle. I think Detroit, if he's still sitting there at six. Yep. Uh, yep. Even though we, it, it feels like they've telegraphed their need for a corner, could still very much say, we're, we're going to take Carter here and we're just going to make our, our front line just the epitome of just knock you on your ass and dominate you. Um, and and then I think a team like Philadelphia, who has the infrastructure, you mentioned Howie Roseman's need to want yeah. to be able to yep. uh, take picks between the trenches. Where would you say, not necessarily from a betting perspective, but where would you anticipate the best landing spot for somebody like Jalen Carter? Well, so, uh, Philly would be perfect. Um, Philadelphia would be absolutely perfect. If, if, because because of the infrastructure, because of the building and the culture. Um, I'll tell you this. I would be surprised if he gets out of the top five. I'd be stunned if he gets out of the top ten. That all said, like, I would be horrified to draft him. Horrified. First of all, you have the off-field stuff, yeah. okay, where you're talking about he was, I guess the right word would be, involved in an incident that – Two people lost their lives. Now, he wasn't directly responsible for it, but he was involved in it. Shows, obviously, at the minimum, a bad a bad bit of judgment, okay? Then it comes out that he also was speeding at a ridiculous rate months prior to that, all right? So now you have a pattern of this. On top of that, he then shows up to his pro day, as you, out, uh, as you outlined, in Athens, and he's so out of shape, he can't do basic drills. Now, I spent last year, last uh, pre-draft process, I spent a couple days when I was out at the Super Bowl in L.A. with Aiden Hutchinson, Iki Kwanu, Boye Mafe, a bunch of guys who were getting ready for the draft. Let me tell you something. I watched those guys work for a couple days as they were getting ready for their pro days. Those guys could have done 10 pro days, and I'm not kidding. When I showed up to the gym... Aiden Hutchinson was planking with 135 pounds on his back next to Iki Aquanu, who was also planking with 135 pounds on his back at 7 a.m. in the morning. And they were talking to each other and just laughing like you and I would be in, in recliners. Okay. <laughs> like they, the workouts were unbelievable. And they were, it was like, it was like a warm up for them. And Jalen Carter couldn't finish a pro day. They, you know, these guys know it's coming months in advance. 
To me, if you can't get ready for your biggest job interview to that extent, yeah, I'm out on you. I have no interest in drafting you. Now, his tape is ridiculous, which is why he's going to go where he's going to go. But I don't want to hear teams in three, four years, if it doesn't work out, getting up to a presser and going, you know what? Yeah, we just didn't work out the way we thought it would. Well, you you know. I mean, you, you've watched this whole process play out. So I hope for the kid that he gets committed and he's and he's on point and everything else but I would be I would be holding my breath if I took a really early first round pick and used it on Jalen Carter. I want to talk to you about a couple guys at the top of this line for offensive linemen being drafted. The clear favor right now for the first offensive lineman to go is Paris Johnson Jr. minus 230 over at DraftKings. Following him is Peter Skaronski out of Northwestern, then Darnell Wright plus 425 over from Tennessee. Yep. What I think is interesting and maybe where you're, there might be an opportunity for value is once you start getting towards those early teens, maybe late top 10, a team like Chicago I think is going to be very interested in getting one of those three offensive linemen. Talked about Philadelphia. There could be a, a need there as well. Maybe even Atlanta uh, if they want to short things up. Same thing with the Raiders. Yep. Yep. Regardless of talent, Maybe there's value in going with one of these other guys to be the first offensive lineman selected because so much of line drafting right now is not necessarily like who is the best lineman. It's about positional fit with that offense. So do you look at Paris Johnson and say to yourself, this guy can fit in any system, or is he somebody that would need to be a very specific fit? And the odds and the odds makers basically are hinting, yeah, he he's probably going to go into Chicago. Um, based on sort of how they're going to view it, and, and there's the connection to Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean, look, I think I think the offensive lineman. When I talked to one scout uh, at the combine, I asked, "Look, what's your what's your deepest position in this draft? It's an offensive line, and I think that's a sentiment that's I wouldn't say universally shared because there's a lot of deep parts of this this draft: tight end, receiver, edge." Um, but I think a lot of people feel that way about this tackle class. It's really, really good. When you start looking at it, and you laid out a lot of the teams who could take offensive linemen, Peter Skaronski, very real as a top 10 pick out of Northwestern. And it'd be cool if you went to the Bears and since he's down the street. Uh, but, you know, Skaronski, you look at you look at Paris Johnson out of Ohio State, he's going to be a top 15 pick. I think Darnell Wright, is awesome out of Tennessee. I think he's going to be a top 10, top 15 pick. Broderick Jones out of Georgia could also be right in that same range. Yeah. So you're, t- I mean, right there, you're talking about four offensive linemen that could go between eight, 15, or 16. I mean, you know, and then, and then you get into Dewan Jones out of Ohio State, the other tackle. I mean, could he go, he could go right with a Chiefs pick, you know, right around that range. Um, and then there's a litany of guys, you know, Cody Mock at, at a North Dakota State, a guard. Um, there's just, there's a lot of depth, a lot of depth to this class. Let's talk Chiefs for a second. Right now, and I asked this question to Connor Allen as well, so curious to get your perspective. You're looking at the odds of drafting for the position of the Chiefs' first drafted player. Uh, leading candidate right now is wide receiver, plus 150. Defensive lineman and edge, plus 200. Offensive lineman also at plus 200. And then way further down, you got tight end, plus 1,200 running back, Two uh, twenty to one, cornerback twenty five to one. Do you look? I guess it's sort of a two part question. What do you envision Brett Veach, the rest of that staff, looking at towards the tail end of the first round, trying to decide where they need to place 
that first round pick? And do you look at maybe, you know, corner, for example, as maybe this is a situation where if somebody falls, they might take advantage, even though they took a corner right. um, in, in McDuffie last year, maybe it's a really good opportunity to to shore it up even more this year. So give me sort of your perspective on, on where you see Kansas City going, and maybe if there is a position that we're not thinking about that could offer some value in the betting market as well. So I, I think, look, if you're Brett Veach, I think your board is such that you got your tackles, your receivers, and your edge rushers together, and you're just looking at who's the best available guy when you get to 31, or if you want to trade up. But I mean, who's the best available guy when you're on the clock? Um, I think tackle's their biggest need, but I don't know that that's going to match up with the way the board falls based on having all these guys who I think are probably going to be scooped up in the first half and the first round. If I'm right about that, then I think you start looking at these receivers. There are a lot of receivers who could be there at 31. Whether, I, look, I think Smith and the Jig, but he's not going to be there. But after that, Jay Flowers, maybe. Jordan Addison, maybe. Quentin Johnston, maybe. Uh, you've got you've got Josh Downs out of North Carolina, maybe. Um, I feel like I'm, uh, Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. There are a lot of guys yeah. who are first-round caliber receivers in this draft. So there's going to be guys there for the Chiefs. I mean, the question is going to be they value the receiver over everything else. Edge rusher, I think, is, you know, again, the Chiefs are fortunate, really, it's a deep class there as well. So you could look at a lot of different guys. I mean, does Miles Murphy, does he go early? Does he go later? What about Lucas Van Ness? Same question applies there. Nolan Smith, I think, will be off the board. We already know Wilson and Anderson. They'll be long gone by what the Chiefs pick. Um, do the Chiefs look at, you know, a Will McDonald, uh, the fourth out of out of Iowa State. I mean, he's a guy who a lot of people think late first, early second. So I think you're looking for the best available of those positions. If you want to go off the board and say, where would they go? I know my colleague, Albert Breer, had a report about Jameer Gibbs and the Chiefs possibly being interested in him. I just cannot wrap my mind around the idea that they're drafting a running back. I, I just can't. You know, so at this point, it feels like Beach would be trolling the entire fan base. Um, I think if they went really off the board, and I don't think D-tackle qualifies as really off the board because you're still talking about a pass rusher up front, I think corner's the one. Because if they don't re-sign Lazarius Need, like, you could use another corner. Now, the problem is, then you're kind of burying a couple guys on the depth chart right now, and I don't know that you want to do that. But, yeah, look, like, let's just say Joey Porter Jr.'s there. Yeah, I think the Chief probably goes, screw it, take him. What the hell? I mean, there is one big benefit of corner. That is an expensive position. And if you get a bunch of guys on rookie deals, and the same, by the way, is true of tackles, that's a huge benefit to you. You can then spend that money elsewhere in free agency. So I think that's another thing to keep in mind. All right. I got one more for Verderam coming up on the other side. Let's take one more final break. Be right back with Matt Verderam of Sports Illustrated right here on Benny and the Bats on KCSN. You're listening to KC Sports Network. We'll be right back after this. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, Verderam, before we let you go and appreciate you hopping on and giving us a little bit of a stack-in-the-box reunion uh, on draft day here, we talked about it from the very beginning of the show that there's always going to be that one team that takes a guy way too early and we're all left going, what the hell did they just do? Conversely, there's always going to be that guy that falls and we're not entirely sure why that's the case or 
whether or not a team decided to pivot when they had an opportunity. If you had to put your pulse on one guy that's probably going to be drafted maybe a bit too high, and conversely, a guy that's probably going to drop that maybe another team will find a steal in, do you have a potential candidate for each? Well, I kind of already talked about, I think Jalen Carter is going to get drafted too high. I just do. I'm a big believer in like, like it's the old saying, when somebody when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. I'm not saying Jalen Carter is a bad guy. I don't. I have no interaction with Jalen Carter. I'm not talking from a personal standpoint. Okay, we all know maybe some poor decisions off the field doesn't make him necessarily a bad person. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is when you show up out of shape and to the point where you can't do a three cone drill, like yeah, I got a problem with that. That that's a problem, right? It's like if, if I showed up for the biggest interview of my life and wore pajamas, and, and, and was like, I don't know why I didn't get the job. That would that would concern me. That would deeply concern me. Um, so I love the talent, and if and if the talent's what ends up showing up, then I'll be the one who's eating crow. And that's fine. I'm happy to do it. As far as a guy too low, I'll I'll tell you what. I really love a couple of receivers in this draft. That I think people are talking about as second day guys. Man, I I think are going to be dynamite in the NFL. Jaden Jaden Reed's one of them out of Michigan State. Um. He's a guy who I watched at the Senior Bowl. It was very evident watching him. He's a polished kid. He can really run routes. Um, I, I thought Jaden Reed was somebody who, when you watched him, you said, okay, I can see how he translates. And he's, he's 5'11", a buck 87. He's not a huge, but he's not tiny either. You know, ran a 4'4", four, 4'5". Four, I just watched him and said, this is a guy who I think is going to be better at the pro level because he's a good route runner. Um Good hands. I don't know that he's going to be a, you know, I don't think he's going to be like a Justin Jefferson, but I think he could be a really nice quality receiver for a long time. Another guy I give you, um, Cedric Tillman. And uh, now his dad played in the NFL. You might be like, wondering, why do I know that name? His dad played in the league. He played at Tennessee, and everybody's talking about Jalen Hyatt. There are some people in the NFL, a decent amount of them, who think Tillman's actually a better player. Now, Tillman's a guy. Four five four average speed, but he's six three two thirteen. I you know I, I, his NFL.com profile uh, done by Lance Zerline does great work. Um, he compared him to Michael Pittman Jr. I love that comparison. I love that comparison. Um, I think he's going to be a really good player. And I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes in the first round. Like I could see him being a guy to Chiefs pick. The, he he checks a lot of boxes. He's a really nice young player. So we got Reed, we got Hyatt. Looking at some of the odds, I can't even find Reed right now. Um, for odds, he won't go in the first, but I, I think he'd be a good guy. Like, I think a lot of people think he's like round three. I could see him being late round two and surprise a lot of people. But Hyatt, Tillman, I think, could actually push for the first round. Yeah, well, well, Hyatt right now on DraftKings to go in the first round is plus two fifty. So if you think there's a really good fit for him in the Chiefs, and again, we talked about where the odds makers have Kansas City right now. Um, Wide receiver is the favorite on the board for where they're going to go. Yep. Maybe you go ahead and, and consider that option as well if you're looking to tie that together. Maybe you take the Chiefs to take a wide receiver, but then also sprinkle a little bit on Jalen Hyatt, on Jalen Hyatt at plus two fifty. Verderam, this is fun, man. Glad you're going to be back in Kansas City. It's always uh, it's always good to have you back home. Uh, make sure you guys are reading all of the stuff that he's putting out over at SI. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Matt Verderam, and please go out and check out his latest piece. Uh, the daily cover, uh, looking back from 40 years ago at the 1983 NFL draft, 
and how we saw a drastic shift from 40 years ago, six quarterbacks going in the first round to what we're now expecting. Uh, great to see you, my friend. Appreciate all the time. And uh, we will do this again soon. Sounds good. Anytime. All right. That's Matt Verderam. Also, big shout out to Jordan Foote, our executive producer on the show today. My name is Ben Heisler. If you guys have not subscribed to Benny and the Bets, please go ahead and do so. Until then, come hang with us at the NFL Draft Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then celebrate the draft with us on Sunday as well. Full details are in the description. Until then, may all of your best bets hit. We'll do this again soon on Benny and the Bets. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.